so Podcast. Uh, episode eight. Something now? like that. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Episode eight. Yeah. Whoa. Um, Norma finally saw Hamilton. Uh, so this is gonna be our Hamilton spectacular, guys. Just in time for it to finish on the public. Bad, the public. Just the time to finish its run, but to <coughs> prepare our listeners yes. for the Broadway. Mounting. Yes. That's gonna be happening this summer. So I saw the I saw Hamilton in January. Oh, I saw it in January. The end of January because it was still in previews being workshop. This is special. Uh I'm not jealous. I don't know. Sarah, guys, for the record, Sarah did tell me months before, buy tickets. This is the day that I'm going, buy the tickets. I was like, all right, cool. Procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. Finally, like, oh, until I go buy the tickets to Hamilton. Sold out. And I was like, oh. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I saw it. I'm not so far behind opening night. Maybe like a week before opening night. Nice. So, yes, that happened. And then Norma, by luck of the gods. Luck of the gods, guys. Found a ticket. I found it. I found it like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Uh, it was in It was in a <clears throat> great... And yeah. it was in a chocolate bar. You didn't have to do no lottery, no nothing. That no lottery. Awesome. No lottery. Just just, <sighs> just the luck of someone who wanted me to visit the factory of Le Manuel's mind. So, yes. <clears throat> okay, so. So my, my memory of, like, the details is a little hazy. I don't have, like, specifics. Um, at my hand, but Norma does because she saw it last night. (laughs) So I, you know, I have like impressions and thematic ideas, I guess. Well, I have, I have a lot of heavily rely on you to like remember the actual other stuff. Well, I, all I can remember is filter through my tears. Um, the emotional impact was so great. I, people have been warning me beforehand guys, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lose it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm ready, sure. And then I show up at the theater after what happens, and I'm like, wow, this is really complex and wonderful, and music's great, everything's wonderful, but I, I don't feel like, I think I'll be okay. I think I'll be moved, but I don't think anything will happen. And then act two happens. And guys, you know, if you've seen it, when Alexander Hamilton's son is all grown up, and he's like, yo, I'm 19, and I'm hungry, and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, like I already saw it. Like I already saw it. I saw like little, I saw a little like baby Gavroche from like Les Mis going little people. Like I just saw it, and I was like, this, this kid's gonna die. And he I might as well, he might as well have sung that song. He literally might as well have sung that song. It was so like apparent to me. And then from there, it's bam, 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 bam. So um, it's, so you cried like on several occasions. Yes. Like it would start and stop, start and stop. Yes. <laughs> you can look up. 
Alexander Hamilton's life on Wikipedia or read the book, which I will be reading later this summer. Um, oh, okay. That's yeah. A, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. The person who reads, like, House of Leaves for fun <laughs> can't stomach a nonfiction. Yeah, nonfiction. I can't. I don't know. I'm not a biography person. So, Little Boy Dies, and, and they have that song, um, Unimaginable, and... And I was, and I just, I had a tear, a little tear leaked out, baby tear. And then at the end when he dies from the doula, I, uh, I lost my shit immediately. And, um, I just, I bawled, I bawled. And especially when, um, you know, Alexander Hamilton's wife, Eliza's like, and I lived 50 years after he died. I'm like, oh my God, she lived for 50 years. And then they were like, oh. And then I had an orphanage, and then everyone in the background just singing orphanage, orphanage, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, because yes. I have a soft spot for the any orphans. I, Harry Potter, I love. I them. loved like Lynn's face during that scene. Like he's just kind of looking at her, like beaming with fucking pride. Like, oh, uh, that, that was one moment that got me. I don't think I cried, <clears throat> but I did feel. Things. A lot of feels. <laughs> and it was bad because the curtain call, you know, everybody, I have a, this is a side convo for another day about standing ovations. Okay. Ugh, I'm, I'm ambivalent about them, but at the end, I mean, this is a no-brainer. Everybody shoots up, but I'm shooting up and I'm applauding. And normally for someone that I like stand as hard for as the creative team, because um, I just love everyone, but I was just, I couldn't woo. I couldn't, all I could manage is a lighthearted woo. Because I'm too busy, like crying and clapping. Yeah. Uh, it was just. It was. It was. It, it really was a tour de force. And so, that that was like a, my immediate end reaction. I'll take mm-hmm. it back a little bit. What did you think of the music? The oh, hippity hoppity. The hippity hoppity. The hippity hoppity in a musical. They're so strange. Yeah. I don't know how long it'll last in musical theater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought it was great. I I mean, it was it was definitely a mix of genres. So um, so I think there was a reflection of like a lot of different genres, not just hip hop. Um, it was really good. Um, <laughs> I, as someone who doesn't usually listen to hip hop, um, that is my opinion. But <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's interesting because like. I, you know, of course, this is like the revolutionary thing, right? That like Lynn has hip hop musicals and salsa musicals and introducing like a whole new genre of music into musical theater. Um, that's what kind of what, well, part of what the rave about the show is and how it's like a game changer, quote unquote. And like, um, which is true, I think. Um, I've also read like counter arguments that are kind of like, well, yeah, sure, this is um, a hip-hop musical, and it's a great hip-hop musical, um, but at the same time, like, it's um, it's not telling a story from the hip-hop community, or, like, you know, it's, it's imbuing hip-hop into something else, and almost kind of making it, like, a a consumerism thing like like mm-hmm. something easily digestible like you know the american revolution or you know or I, this author i think it was a um, american theater article oh, the author a magazine yeah the author said um basically that like you know they they feel the same way about anytime like you put hip-hop into shakespeare or like something else that's like 
you know, white culture, very, like, canonical culture, but, you know, you just sprinkle hip-hop in, like, okay, yeah, sure, it's, like, it's kind of cool, but um, you're still kind of, like, you're, you're appropriating the hip-hop and just making it edgy, and you're not telling, like, actual black people's stories. Or, oh, like, I think know. that's, I think that's a totally valid criticism to make. I mean, if you see any of the works of theater that have imbued hip-hop or spoken word, mm-hmm. they don't seem to go as far uh, in terms of, and I, and I, all right, we're gonna have to talk about Holler if you hear me a little bit, Yeah, but I'm gonna mention it, but, it, <laughs> but that, I mean, I just think that didn't work because the book wasn't Yeah, I mean, there. There, were, there were a lot of problems with the musical. <laughs> yeah, with just the, the way the musical itself, but... But even if it but were even if great... But even if it were great, I wonder how it would be placed because it's strictly about people of color, their communities, the hip-hop community at a certain time and place, and it just becomes completely insular. Much in the same way of in the Heights music, I mean... When do you ever hear salsa, bachata, merengue, any of that, uh, reggaeton, any of those beats incorporated into common American parlance? It happened briefly in the mid 2000s with reggaeton and Daddy Yankee came out and uh-huh. MTV was like, oh, what is this reggaeton? Let's put it on. And it was like, they, lo- they lost their minds. And, you know, and then it <laughs> faded and then it like rose again within the heights. And, and, and I mean, that actually worked. It, because it was showcasing people of color communities, but the one thing that it did was it used the typically Anglo-American musical theater canon mm-hmm. to do so. So I think he just took it one step further. He's like, let's mainstream it even further. And yeah. even then, I think the cool thing is that even though it's hip-hop, hip-hop with uh, old white dead men, um, the cool thing about it is that I feel like it's almost more effective than some of the more recent historical musicals out there or the more yeah. recent historical plays yes. works of theater where they're 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 a little bit bound by the the right yeah like any kind of like um even movies like what are they i don't know like the stephen hawking and the like or like the, even the like Cumberbatch playing whoever well, like it what was, what was that was that jane um jane austen movie the one with uh, anne hathaway Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad, except James McAvoy was in Yeah, it. except James McAvoy was in <laughs> and I was all about it. But, um, but yeah, but, those kind of things that they're really, like, they're all, Dragged like, down by facts. Yeah, and, facts and figures and, and oh, Mr. James, get, oh, the letter. Yeah, and things just get really boring really fast. And it's, like, <laughs> and if you think about Shakespeare, back to Shakespeare, if you think about what Shakespeare did with this stuff, I mean, you know, it was set in Verona, it was set... In Verona mm. again, wherever it was <laughs> in Venice or whatever, wherever it was always some random town in Italy for no reason, um, <laughs> or it was in Scotland, and even if like okay, let's even talk about um, him. let's talk about uh, the Scottish play. You go to the Scottish play, right? Uh-huh. And um, and even though it is in the in the UK tradition of the time period, I mean, it, it would make sense for like an English playwright to talk about a Scottish event in history. The Scottish people of, like, the Middle Ages wouldn't be talking in the same way, wouldn't even be pronouncing the same words the same way as English Renaissance people. And Shakespeare didn't go and, like, oh, let me figure out how to, like, write, like, a Middle Ages dude, uh-huh. like a Middle Ages Scottish person. He was like, oh, they're just going to fucking write like me. And every all of his characters are like, you know, they're, you're going to write, like, my poetry. And that's what Lynn's doing. He's like, I'm going to have these characters write in my verse. 
Hmm. And I guess this. Why bother? <laughs> why bother? Like cutting through clutter? And if, not to say that I don't like things that mimic that, because that's also a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Like something rotten was a lot of fun when they tried to mimic X, Y, and Z, but then something rotten also took it a step further and would just like use the word penis just because they felt like it. Yeah. Because they're writing something yeah, for part us. Of, part of the joke. You're part. You're in on the joke. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's what that's what makes Hamilton great because by the end of it, you know, um, and and I know this because I you know the the general audiences that aren't all people of color are like loving it and they must see Chris Jackson coming out as. George Washington, at first it might be jarring to see one who looks like Chris Jackson come out, but by the end of it, you're like, no, he was the fucking general of the United States Army, (laughs) and he became the fucking first president of the United States, and he rocked it, and he looked amazing in that black suit. Oh, Jesus. He worked it. Like, everybody worked those costumes. He, yeah, and no, 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 when I first found out that he was going to play Washington, I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's. True. That's true. <laughs> like, like, that happens. At first I was just like, why not? I wasn't I wasn't really thinking much that about works. it because I didn't even know what Hamilton was. I mean, at first, not that I don't, like, I love Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, but I was wondering if it was going to do that. But that's not what it was doing. It was like, mm-hmm. we're telling, like, this is our truth. Mm-hmm. This is our truth, and we're going to put it through this, through this form of narrative. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and by the end of it, I did yeah. not question that Thomas Jefferson is played by a man of color that looks like it could have been one of his love children. <laughs> right. Well, there I said it. And then there's always <laughs> that dissociation, like especially when they talk about slavery and and um, you know anything like that's. There's always, I guess, subconsciously in the audience, you are, in a way, like you're always realizing, like, oh wait, these these people are. Black, they're should they're the ones who are yeah oppressed who, in this, but but you're you're kind of forced to like push that away and and um, if if it does come up at all, but I I mean I think it does come up. I don't I think it would be foolish to say like oh yeah they totally works like you never question. Oh no that's no 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 that's not what I'm. It's the opposite. You you kind of like have to put your ideas away and just like accept this like diversity and multicultural like just kind of take it at face value and and you know and i'm just saying this doesn't have to be the only show (laughs) this just it just doesn't it doesn't need to be the only show um like this and that's i mean that's more true to what's going on today and that's why it's so frustrating and strange to see these generic thin young white people who all speak with a Californian accent <laughs> do all these everything, everything that we watch on every channel, and it's like, but that's not even, that's not even close to what's going on today. Like, what, mm-hmm. what truth is this? Mm-hmm. I, I don't see this truth, particular truth. This is, I mean, Hamilton is more close to me than any kind of truth I understand, so. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where everyone sings, like, Beyonce and... Oh my god, can we talk about that song that Which um, one? Which amazing the song? The wedding, the wedding song. <gasps> Talking about Beyonce. Norma just stood up and now she's walking circles around the room. Okay, I'm back. Okay, so <laughs> that's part of my notes of how fucking awesome that song was. Because it it just so here's what happens. So Renee Elise Goldsplay Goldsberry, who's playing um What's her face's sister? <laughs> yes, playing Eliza's sister, Angelica. My sister Angelica. I love that so much. It was so like girly and cute. Oh, my sister Liza, Angelica, 
it was like, oh, anyway, so they are in the part, they're in the wedding party. No, they're when they first meet. So when they first meet, um, Eliza is just like, oh, I'm helpless, I'm helpless, which guys, okay, we're, I'm going to be doing a lot of in the heights of comparisons. If you can't deal with that, go home. But it's, <laughs> when she's like, I'm helpless, I'm helpless, like, we are powerless. And I was like, oh my God, it's back, it's Vanessa, but it's not. Um, <laughs> so she's like, I'm helpless. And meanwhile, you see um, Angelica go off to talk to Alexander Hamilton, and I'm tracking their conversation because she, uh, she's singing, she's singing like her like track is like to sing the song, but I'm thinking what in that conversation is taking place before she introduces her, introduces a sister to him, because it took a long time. It took like several measures. It shouldn't mm. take that long to be like, hey, what's up? What's your name? You want to come meet my sister? Like it should have, so there was a really like long period of yeah. conversation. I was just curious to know what in their imaginary circumstances that would be. And then those imaginary circumstances became fucking fact because they did like a like they did that rewind through time. And she yeah. explains like really Which, like, real. comes out of nowhere, but like it's so beautiful so to watch. Perfect. And and like mystical in a way. Like like it wasn't this like ghetto kind of like oh like remix or whatever. Like, remix back. It was more like I don't know. It's just really like it felt time. like a um, what's it called? Like a wind up doll, like a, a ballerina thing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was like a ballerina because had so much grace with the stage and the choreography, mm-hmm. and they don't just go backwards. They do like at one point the actors do go backwards and like a rewind, but at one, other points they just move around the stage and then they find themselves back in that position. You're like, oh, we're going back in time again, uh-huh. and it was really really cool. Um, it reminded again. In Heights, guys. Um, it's, it's that scene right before Benny is going to, like, tell his, Nina's father what's up. And it's like, I'm independent now. Whatever. Peace. And then it does a rewind back in time for some reason. And then, like, him and Nina have their, like, last love song. And it's like, mm. it's like this, it's so abrupt and fascinating because you feel, instead of doing things linearly, you feel like you got a sense of like a bonus track or something hmm, like mm. something like it's a nice little trick to do because you feel like you got something special and important extra that you weren't expecting to get. Yeah. They're just like, oh, wedding, next kids, all right, next scene. It's like, no, we're going to go back and really hone into what this woman is feeling. Uh, I didn't, yeah, that's cool. I didn't think of that. Just thought of it now, guys. Brilliance. It just happens so, like that. You should be a, a Miranda scholar. I mean, so if anybody <laughs> knows a current production of Bring It On the Musical, because I didn't see it, then get me to that, and then I'll, I'll have my thesis ready. Um, so, and then um, the other thing I loved, uh, somewhere in the Heights comparisons, I just could not help it. There's, um, they do like this whoa thing, like, whoa, that's the one from When You're, when you're Home, but they did mm-hmm. it in a different melody because guys I'm not gonna have the melodies you just saw yesterday but for another transition I was like I caught that and then they also did when um baby baby Philip dies he does like I know I know I know and that was from the uh uh-huh uh-huh from another hundred stories Uh uh-huh except this time it really made me want to cry like oh I was like no 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 like uh, stop it um so yeah yes some fucking kick-ass music another thing that I thought was interesting and this in this musical, I didn't feel much in the same way. Like, oh, wow, I could listen to this track and be, like, awesome three-minute. Like, I really do look forward to getting the soundtrack, but I don't feel it's going to be the same way. Like, oh, I really like this song 
in the same way it's like, oh, I really like Carnival del Barrio and I'm going to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Or like, wow, what an opener, what a closing, what an act one closing. Mm-hmm. And I think Lynn did that on purpose. I feel like it was more about telling the story and telling like this more contained kind of musical opera kind mm-hmm. of form. Like yeah. Like is. Yeah. Where like they're just like the focus wasn't on individual songs right. all the time. It was more on like the construction. Yeah, there, there was hardly any like in between space between numbers. Right? Yeah, like I didn't get that feeling. Yeah, I, I only even... got it a couple of times, and it was during like, it was during like uh, Aaron Burr's like I want to be inside the room song. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh. Sorry, I just have a Woof. lot of feelings. Woof. And then I'd be like, oh, that's a number. Like, that's yes. a number. But most of the time, I didn't get that sense of, oh, that's a number. Right. I just got more like, oh, it's a scene. I got more of a scene than a musical number. And I just, that was some shit. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the ending? Because I remember, I what mean, was, was it, might, it might have changed a little bit. But, like, you know, the whole thing with um, Eliza and the orphanage and kind of, like, her becoming the storyteller at the end. That was interesting. That, yeah, I didn't feel like that fit. Like this, like, oh, now we're, like, I don't know. It just felt like in the last five minutes of the show, it's like, oh, here's this, like, feminist lens. Yeah, and it was interesting because there was, you got, you kind of got it more in the last, like, what, 25 minutes? Because she has um, her song where she, like, burns his letters Mm-hmm. And is like, oh, it's called burn. <laughs> um, and she like burns his letters, and she's like, I'm not gonna be part of your narrative. Fuck you. Right. And then in the process, she does take on that mantle. She's forgiven him. Blah blah blah. It was, it was interesting, but also a little off-putting, only because Aaron Burr had been narrating this entire time. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I, I didn't get a sense of, like, passing on the torch. Not that there would need a torch pass, but it was very, like, a little bit unbalancing. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I, I definitely, like, admire the effort to, like, give women the voice. Because obviously, like, you're, it's a story about the American Revolution. Like, it's all white guys. But, Just do um, what they do. So you're not going to have, like, a lot of women roles or like women voices in it but so I but I think I mean even without this like feminist ending it does a really great job of like incorporating women's voices in it um I didn't think that last part was really that necessary yeah I just I wish it was <laughs> it, yeah like I wish you said, it was it in there things I wish it, I'm glad it's in there there's just something that I was like oh that's the end mm-hmm. um it just, I don't know, it just, it felt kind of like it had to end somehow with either Alexander Hamilton's last words or either Aaron Burr's last words. Mm-hmm. But it's okay, because you made me cry anyways. You did good, you did good. <laughs> if you can fix it by Broadway, that's fine, but, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, it was still, like, excellent. But yeah, I agree. I was a little, like, huh? But yeah. at that point, I had been so, like, emotionally, like, fucked over that I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, Jonathan Groff, guys. Oh, guys. <laughs> what? Okay, so, so I tell saw, me about Brian Darcy. So I saw Brian James. Darcy. I saw Brian Darcy James, and he was like a fucking scene stealer. He was amazing, um, and he, you know, he had like the very stiff body, right, with the crown and the cape and everything. Very like, and then and so, but like just his like facial expression, every little like facial expression, every little like. 
shoulder bop. Oh my god, the um, shoulder bops. The shoulder bops. Um, and and of course, like yeah. I think we need to just quickly point out he's voice. playing King George the Third, who is. Crazy, right? Yeah, he's supposed yeah. to be crazy. Yeah. I don't think they really I think care. I, saw, like, I think they just want to be like that British asshole king dude. I saw like half of that movie, The Madness Oh, King George. I meant to finish it, but I didn't. Well, you know how it ends. <laughs> you know you know how all of these end. Um, <laughs> he was, uh, Jonathan Groff was like, he was, he did, it was a whole thing, very stately, very calm, and, but he also showed a little bit of his princess. Uh-huh. Like, he wasn't just a king, he was also a princess, and just his old, like, his stately, like, he'd have a turned-out foot, and... Okay, I was... think, I think Brian Darcy James did a turned-out foot once in a while. Yeah, so it was a lot of that But I guess on. with Brian Darcy James, it's not, like, princess, because he's, like, a, I don't know, like, a six-foot-tall, like, manly man. Yeah, he's... And Jonathan Groff is, like, a decade younger, at, and, and, like, and is... a little girlier. Yeah, a little a bit. A little more feminine. A little bit more feminine. <laughs> a little bit more feminine. Um... And, but, um, but he was adorable. So adorable, and I love him. And he's my—he'll always be my baby Melchior. And he made it like a a little bit of like a pop ballad kind of thing. Like yeah, he, it, it sounded was very like fucking, British pop. It sounded like an Elton John song. Yeah. And ba ba ba. Like I was I was dying. I was dying all those little bits. And then at one point, it's like toward the end. And he's, like, you know, now he's on stage for the rest of the show. And he's, like, in the background. And he's just dancing with his hands up in the air in the corner. And I was, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Get out of my face, King George. Crazy. Yeah, King George is great. He's great. I just love it how they worked it as the idea of, like, the king presenting it as a pop ballad to the America. Saying, like, I love you so much. And the way that you would love me is for me to kill you. And that's so sociopathic and good. Yeah. This is really do we, clever. Do we agree that he's purposely? the only white guy in the cast? Yes. Okay. Uh, that and also, um, I guess I would assume that it's his cover. It's this um, person who's, like, singing the proclamation for the king. Like, oh, in the beginning, uh-huh. yes, and Alexander yes, yes. Hamilton gets, like, a battle with him. Yes. So, I guess that track. Yeah, there is, like, a, a racial divide between America. Like, I think it's interesting weird. that British people would be, like, depicted as just white, Whereas uh-huh. the rest, like, Americans would just be, like, brown. Mm. And it's also interesting. I just love that line when it's, like, immigrants, we get shit done. Yeah. And if you, and, like, if you're, <laughs> like, and you're thinking about it, it's just, I thought it was fascinating Alexander Hamilton, and no, nothing in the historical record says that he is mixed in any way. It could be a possibility, but there's nothing. Oh, really? Yeah, he's just, um, his, I think his father's family was Scottish, and his mother's family is French Huguenot. No, so, but, but wasn't he born in, like, St. Croix? Or yeah, yeah, but he was born in the Caribbean. Uh-huh. And just that fact is fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, a like oh, an immigrant from the Caribbean mm-hmm. to America right. who wants to be a writer. Lin-Manuel was born in Inwood, <laughs> but I'm just saying... I'm just saying, there's a lot, there's just like a lot of interesting mm, analogs there. I wonder what there. drew him to this project. Dude! Uh, well, I mean, he like read the biography and. Yeah, no, I know. Because it's fire. I've like, I've read like the numerous articles about this. Yeah. Um, no, he, like, so, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like, so the, because people, when you watch like an American Revolution movie, totes. Or something, right? Like, you. Can't sometimes you can't tell you're. I don't think you're even supposed to be able to like tell who's who because like have a, have the colonialists 
they already got, have American accents. I doubt yeah. it. Yeah. And like you know, and they're both like white people. So so here it's like you actually see the racial divide, and you like, and and it's the Americans who are immigrants who are you know brown and black and like diverse and um and so that in itself is like a message about who we are and yeah who we are and even and back even, then and even back then like before race our modern our contemporary conception of race i mean there was another conception of race where like even though he is white they you know they called him a creole as a slur because he wasn't from the wasp mm-hmm. uh, the wasp tradition that you know puritans from england that came to america he was from somewhere else. He was from another colony in the Caribbean with, you know, Scottish ancestry and French Huguenot ancestry. Even though if that's white, that's not their kind of white. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't even that conception of whiteness back then where, like, Irish and Scottish and anything that wasn't from England proper was considered, insert ethnic slur here. Right. Uh, so <laughs> it, was, it, was just, it, just, it was just really, like, a fascinating thing to see. And I just saw the random sidebar when, like, when it's like, oh, they called you, uh, like, a stupid Creole. And then Lin-Manuel was like, you fat motherfucker. And he just drops the book. And they bleep it and he runs out. Uh, it was <laughs> such an easy joke, but it was when, so funny. <laughs> and then, there were all these like little references to other musicals in it. Yeah, count the musical references yeah. you see. Seventeen seventy six. Have you seen Seventeen Seventy Six? I haven't. Oddly okay. enough, can you tell me about that reference? That was probably one I didn't uh, catch. Probably something about an oh, sit down, John. Probably he probably said something about sit down. Yeah, John. he did. He had a yeah. whole thing. That that's definitely Seventeen Seventy Six. Um, I played. Although I wonder if that song got cut. I, so you heard a whole song about St. Don John and, like, a whole rap about no, no, it? No, no, no. I think it was just a line. Oh, okay. Maybe. Because it got, because that got cut. Yeah, but there were, like, other little things, like Les Mis references, I think, at one point. And oh, was it? I don't know. Hell, I, the, ones I, the ones I got down was, there was the, um, and these are all, like, you can find them all online, guys, if you read articles about it. This isn't <laughs> new information at all, but he goes, um, uh, You've got to be carefully taught. Oh yes, Pacific uh-huh. and the modern major general. Yes, I was badass. And then the one that killed me personally, and I was like one of the quiet people. Like I was the only person in my section of the audience who got it, and was like, "Ooh," was when he's had the affair, and then he goes, "Nobody needs to know." And I was like, "Last five years, oh my god!" And that's about the affair, and he's talking about the affair. He's singing about the affair. Oh, musical oh. inception. And um, and there's a little anecdote that when Jesus Robert Brown was in the audience one the night that he saw it, um, uh, uh, Lynn sang that line directly to him. Uh huh. And then like tweeted like about like it's something How when cool you get to like bite off somebody's like song and then oh, sing it to their sweet. face. I was and I died. Let the lawsuit ensue. Let. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, JRB. Get him. Get him. Don't. Please don't. Please don't. Um, One line parody laws. Parody laws, guys? Yeah. No, that was... That's also... I don't know what they're doing there, but it works. Oh, it works. And then, there, you know, there was the a- 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 alcohol. And then if you don't know, now you know. Uh, let's see. All right. Let's talk more about performances. I, um, I thought that uh, you saw, actually, um, Philippa... Philippa Sue in yes. Great Moment oh. of 1812, right? Yes. Jelly. 
I I loved her in that. She had some like amazing ballads. I felt like Natasha Pierre was more suited to her voice than right. this. Really? Um, there were some times where she was singing them like mm, like I don't know. It's not her style in maybe, Hamilton. Maybe so far she's mastered it because she was giving me Karen Olivo fucking realness. Really? Like she was like pop one hundred percent. So maybe she like adjusted like okay. Uh, cause I know how like sometimes singing styles can be hard. Like when Betsy Wolf like went from and when Drew to last five years, she had to go from soprano to belt, and it was just like a really like it was a little shaky at first. Uh huh. So she got the style like she would just be coming out there with like runs and stuff, and I was like, girl, damn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I I didn't have as much uh, faith in her at mine. At yours? I, I don't know. But like like for the burn song is more like her thing. Is more know? her thing. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't. I wasn't feeling the other at the time. Song. But yeah, but she. I mean, she's so we awesome. got to see her in that Broadway transfer because <laughs> she's really she's she was amazing. And um, and then of course, I I love Renee Lee Goldsberry. I've loved her since not for anything theater related. Um, but um, if you ever saw the ABC soap One Life to Live, <laughs> she played an attorney named Evangeline. She was a badass, and Ooh. and she's very aspirational because she was a woman in color who had like a really cool job. And um, I think David Diggs should be in the nominees of something. Of something. Okay, <laughs> so David Diggs is a problem. He's like amazing. David, no. you're a problem. David, he's a problem. problem. He's a problem because he's disgustingly talented. Can rap in French. Has the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. Like, oh, my God. When, like, he took off the Lafayette ponytail and became this beautiful Thomas Jefferson curly-haired prince, I I couldn't I couldn't stop. I okay. couldn't stop. So he's that kind of problem, yes. Yeah, he's that kind of problem for me, guys. I think he's going to break out in a big, big way. I hope so. I think um, I think he, like, blew me away. Um, also, the other guy, the guy that played James Madison... Oh my gosh, Hercules! <laughs> when he came out, when it was like, because he was gone for a while in Act One, he was gone for so long, and I was like, what happened? And then they was like, and we had a spy, and he just came out like, Bruh! and I yes. was like, oh my god, yes, like, best entrance ever, best entrance ever. <laughs> and then of course, I loved Anthony Ramos, who played uh, John Lawrence in the first act, and he played. Um, Hamilton's son Philip in the second act. He was just he was like such a little badass in the first one, first act. In the second act, he became like this adorable little son, and it's like, uh-huh. oh, we have a poem for you. And then Philippa's like beatboxing, and he's like singing his like little yes. like rap. It was so. I, I'm telling you guys, I had a lot of problems when he perished because he was so fucking cute Aww. as a as a as a as a small person, as a small child person. Um, but guys, now we've learned if we were stupid enough to do a duel. Just shoot him. Yes. <laughs> get the heart. Get the groin between the eyes. Yeah. Pick something important that means something to you. <laughs> Honor is useless. So the, I think the unless you have any other things to say. Oh, I wanted to talk about today ticks, like the lottery system. Okay. Before I get into today ticks, I have one last thing, and that is the fact that I really appreciate uh, the complexity that's going on as a songwriter. In this piece, and it's okay. more—it's more in the scene um, in *Unimaginable* with the death of a child mm-hmm. versus *Alabanza* in *The Heights*, which was uh, Abuela Claudia's like song when they died, and they sang that for her. 
And it was, like, from there, it's, like, from the point of view of, like, younger people, oh, someone has died and we feel bad for her and the community is getting together. And this was just, like, this was even greater because it was, like, it wasn't one community having the same emotion. It was different people having different emotions and that the people around them were, like, don't, do- don't judge him if he's talking to himself. Don't judge her if she's doing X, Y, and Z. Their child has died. And, and you have Alexander and Eliza's feelings toward that and it was just so complex in a way that like it's just like wow Mm -hmm. like grief on steroids and I and I just really appreciated that so I think with that said oh and last thing is that the the, all the analogs in Alexander Hamilton to Lynn's life I already talked about the Caribbean but also just being a writer in New York City like he shows up in New York City and it sounds like you're tale as old as time coming to New York City to make something of yourself but it's back before New York City was part of the fucking United States of America it was like I'm gonna do something I'm gonna hustle I'm gonna write I'm gonna be somebody in New York City in like colonial times like that's hilarious that's amazing to me <laughs> uh, and uh, and and being and not being satisfied and also writing like you're running out of time like I, I holy swear, shit like, that's like that's like still a thing that happens ever since we saw Lynn do um, boom boom tick tick, tick boom. boom tick tick boom sorry boom boom tick tick, tick. that's the line disease <laughs> oh no tick tick boom and and like just everything like all his tweets and and even and then this musical it just makes me feel like I'm doing shit with my life like what were we doing what were we just, doing I'm just like depressed every time I have to like fight off this like voice in my head that's like. You have Are you to satisfied? Yeah. Like, you're running out of time. That's why Sarah gets her blog posts out, and they're written so deliciously well and with great complexity. Because she's writing like she's running out of time. I, you know what I'm doing with my time? I'm trying to get today ticks to help me out. So see what I did? I just segue for you. So yes. So you no longer have to like show up at the theater two and a half hours before the show what? and wait for thirty minutes what? and then you know if you lose and find something else to do in the city to make the trip out there worth it, right? You no longer have to do that, uh, which is great for today ticks, especially if you're like a working person and you can't you know you get out of work at six or something and you can only make it right on time for the show, right? Stuff like that. Like it's it's great. It's democratizing. It's um, popular i'm not sure though like what makes uh, it harder definitely makes it harder because now more people can do it so now more people can do it right like just anybody (laughs) not putting in like time and and effort into it um just kind of like swiping right on your app um, uh, and so it kind of makes me feel sad. it makes me feel angry when I don't get it after like trying every single day. Times. Um, and then there's like how I want to know how did all these celebrities that go see Hamilton like did they all buy their tickets in advance? I, I'm gonna tell I you right really... now, guys. I'm gonna tell you right now what happened. I'm gonna tell you right now. Okay, so like Madonna's press people are like. Yeah, that's right. I'm going back to this. Madonna's press people are like, oh my god, we need to get Madonna like front and center in the media, doing things that young hip kids do in New York City. What are the young hip kids doing in New York City? There's this like musical Broadway? No, off Broadway. What's that? We'll tell you. It's this musical <laughs> called Hamilton, and it's hip hop. Whatever, fuck it. If that's what the youth are into, we'll get some tickets. And they fucking went out into their networks. They put up Craigslist ads, and they bought scalped ass tickets for like. You think grand. they're scouts? I don't think they're scouts, <laughs> but I think I think what's happening is a lot of people have been reselling after the fact because it's gotten so popular, like and reselling or trading or 
pawning them off to others. I think that's honestly happening on an underground level. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because I just think it's, it happens. It is, there is kind of something wrong with it that. It happens. <laughs> they should just extend it. Um, but it's, it's. I mean, there is something wrong with it when, like, someone buys ten tickets and then. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Like, but that's not, no, but that's not, that's not at all what I'm saying. Uh-huh. I'm saying that people genuinely bought tickets before. Oh, and then just. And then in the mad rush after the fact, people have been, maybe been, a, you know, people like be like, oh, like I have my tickets. Oh, you really want to see this show here and that kind of stuff is happening uh-huh. i think there's some trading and some of that going on for sure okay and, and that's maybe because then you have this whole like democratic movement right of like the lotteries and today ticks and then like you know hamilton for hamilton and all that stuff like making theater accessible for and, and just like the fact of having a hip-hop musical is like you know a big deal so now it's making theater accessible to people who don't really even like show tunes um but like yeah, and then and then you just have this like cavalcade of like every night it's like so and so walking in. I'm like I think, I don't know. I There's think like I feel it's a push pull. It's a push yeah. pull. But because it's not a one, because it's and that's the way I feel the general about accessibility in theater. Because it's not a one night only show. And because this is going to Broadway, I feel a little bit better about it because yeah. this is a it's a it's a it's 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 they're developing a juggernaut and it's tightly like you know done keg. So now like when it like bursts and when it goes, like people are gonna flock to it because it's had such a huge yeah. thing happen. And it's I mean and considering that how many I mean even like the public theater that has amazing shows sometimes I'll go and. Seats are not filled. Point mm-hmm. blank. Right. It's hard to fill a seat yeah. in a theater. Just in any theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there could be more of these shows that get people into it and get young For people cheap, into yeah. it and 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 build that demand, because supply demand, mm-hmm. I think it could be something, maybe even the ticket prices can't be so outrageous because people aren't going to be, the, like, you know, so like oh well we're we're getting like a house filled with five hundred charge it at two hundred mm. whereas if you're getting well, full like, houses they can stabilize a little bit more yeah um, it's a nonprofit organization so they I know it's but not like, they need money you know I think the more money they get the better I mean right. not, to me nonprofit means like nothing because it, <laughs> no but seriously yeah. I mean it's I mean it's a, it's a, it means something to like the taxes and the terms but you still need money to pay salaries. Sure, yeah, yeah. To keep operation costs running and to innovate. And I think that's where you need as much money as you can. Yeah. Even if you're a nonprofit, because you don't want to just have enough to stay alive. You want to have enough to build that beautiful theater that they have, that multiplex theater, and to have that awesome, like, sculpture that, like, shows, like, lines of Shakespeare. Right. And to have that awesome cabaret bar where they could, like, make money after the show and showcase, like, mm-hmm. up-and-coming performers. And not even just up-and-coming. Like, you know, like, people have been talking about, like, certain Broadway stars for some years now, up-and-coming. No, we're talking, like... The cabaret that I saw that was a soul of Broadway, which are, these are the NYU musical theater graduates that are putting mm-hmm. out people that are not on Broadway, and mm-hmm. they're just getting their start. Like, that's awesome. And they wouldn't get that unless they had, like, a Lin-Manuel every so often to just be like, money! Throw the money! <laughs> so if that could happen more often, I more power to it. And that's why I'm a little excited about the Today to Tapped getting more um, traction, uh-huh. um, availability, um... And and to make it less so that we're the only I think two what they should do though, what they should do is have like added extra performance where it's like all today ticks. Oh like, yeah, because or I, just more like, seats. I mean, are, in general, yeah, with the whole seats. rush 
with the rush thing in general, um, it's like twenty. It's only twenty tickets. So this isn't like, this isn't a lot, right? This is well, and now especially since it's so much more accessible on your phone, it's like the competition is. Oh yeah, yes. it's not like waking <laughs> up at the butt crack of dawn to go try to get tickets to once, like I once did. You know, yeah. it's not. It's just not like that anymore. So, I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little more on like it's okay because of what it's. What it's what it's gonna move forward. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to say it's not okay. I just feel like there's. I know there's it's some lame. weird. There's some like still some kinks that I. Oh like, yeah. That I'd ideally like to see ironed out. I think later. I think I have I have faith. I always have faith in theater. Maybe too much, but. Uh, <laughs> I right. always I'm always hopeful, and um, so yeah, I'm really excited to see. I'm excited to um, read read Hamilton. To read the book, the original book. I'm sure it's not called Hamilton. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, historians. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing on Broadway. And guys, this. I think this is it. I think this is gonna change history. But I'm bummed.